And welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis. I'll be your host tonight. We are working on our uh, beekeeping certification technician book and we'll be going through some of the points here. At the end of this you will not be receiving a beekeeping technician certificate. However, this is just for your interest and, and for your uh, education only. Um, we will be talking today a little bit about uh, um, some of the uh, maintaining health and job safety, some of the things that we have. So let's get along with it. All right, so I relabeled one of my other podcasts to fit into this uh, um, thing that we're doing here. Um, it was the first aid kit. Um, it was actually recorded about a year ago uh, when my honey first went in for her. Uh, what we ended up finding out was uh, removal of her cancer. <laughs> so, and it was a difficult time. And uh, I was doing uh, first aid kits because after experiencing that, I thought it would be a better idea if I were prepared. Um, I'm usually quite prepared anyways, but I was caught a little flat-footed there and uh, needed a few more tweaks to my kit. I would advise that uh, as you're going along, you tweak your first aid kit that you have as a beekeeper. Um, of course, with first aid stuff, you're always going to want to have the basics. Uh, um, you're going to want to have stuff to stop bleeding. You're going to want to have stuff to wrap up bigger bites. Uh, let's say uh, a, um, a badger got after you and, and bit you on the leg or something. You need to have enough stuff to stop the bleeding and wrap it up. And Or if you scrape your, on the side of uh, your, un, or your sharpened hive tool that, that I advised you to unsharpen, but you forgot to and now you scraped yourself. Um, you need to be able to have enough to put on that. Also, you're going to want to have stuff for um, the hazards that you're usually experiencing, things like bee stings. So, of course, in that first aid kit, you're going to have Benadryl, you're going to have EpiPens, you're going to have um, a lot of different things. Um, some um, antibacterial cream, that kind of stuff. Um, one of the big things that you want to remember is to take it out of your vehicle when it starts freezing um, because a lot of the stuff in your first aid kit will freeze and will be no good in the spring when you need it. So just a, a little recap there. Now, <laughs> um, we did talk about this a little bit earlier. It's uh, concerning um, the hazard of fire. Um, they suggest that we tell you about fire extinguishers. They're very important. Um, in your bee yards, fire extinguishers are important, but really you're not going to leave a fire extinguisher there beside your bees. Um, you're going to be having it in your vehicle, so having um, a bracket in your vehicle so it's not just banging around inside of there, um, checking to make sure it hasn't gone off and uh, loss pressure, um, checking to make sure it's up to date, that kind of thing is very important. 
Uh, as far as fire also, it's really good to have a fire blanket. Um, it's really good to have um, a fire broom, which is different than a regular broom. Fire broom, you can use it as a regular broom, but it is um, made of fire resistant material and makes and it's longer so that you can cover about a foot worth of distance when you swat and it's more for putting out fires. Um, the fires that start are usually fairly small and if you're smart about it you can put uh, beekeeping fires out fairly quickly. Uh, also the other thing you want to be talking about is um, having um, a bucket full of sand and this you can leave at your um, bee yards. A bucket full of sand would just allow you to throw the sand on something. Um, one of the things you should know is that when your wax starts really melting and burning, um, spraying water on it isn't necessarily going to be a good thing. So you'll want to throw something like uh, uh, some sand on it or something. Um, also, the other thing is um, you want to also be you want to also have like a shovel there just in case um, and a shovel is something that you can leave at your uh, beekeeping area um, I usually put my shovel right next to my uh, um, barbecue that I bring out there I usually bring out a, a old broken barbecue that no longer works as a barbecue and I put my smoker inside of there when you are beekeeping on a prairie there is a lot of issues with fires. Um, usually the fire hazards during beekeeping season are from medium to high. So just a little bit of sparks from your your uh, smoker can start the whole prairie on fire and you can be responsible for paying for all sorts of grassland that gets burned because it's cow feed and you can also be responsible for any houses or any buildings or any fence posts that get burnt down due to your negligence starting it on fire. So it's important to have something that you can put your um, beekeeping smoker into. Um, and I just use an old defunct uh, barbecue uh, that has an open lid, opening lid, and you throw your smoker inside there and close the lid. And, and as long as it's not going to tip over and it's going to fall out, that it doesn't matter if it uh, rekindles or anything because it's inside of the barbecue and that's what the barbecue is for containing flames so <laughs> just keep those things in mind you also should be keeping uh, a certain amount of water on hand um, water is useful for a lot of things um, i've used water uh, to mix up some um, sugar water for the bees just uh, just as an emergency thing um, you know you you go and you check a hive and they're starving to death you put on a, a box to feed them and you you mix up a real quick thing of sugar and, and water and uh, put it on top of the hive and you can probably save a hive just by you know in time feeding but that's not what the water is actually for the water that we're going to be suggesting that you have is used for flushing chemicals out of eyes, um, flushing your eyes in case you get uh, dirt and rocks blown in your eyes from 
um, wind or if you are moving a hive or something and you, you get something in your eye, a sliver or something like that, a sliver of wood, you can rinse that thing out and be be happy right afterwards, <laughs> not be in all sorts of owie pain. So um, we encourage you guys to keep a, a liter of water in your, your vehicles just for that. Also, um, during the day, we are a lot of times in gloves and a jacket and a hood, and it's hot as heck, and it's 40 above Celsius, and, and of course, you're going to need to keep yourself hydrated, and if you didn't bring your water that day, guess what that liter of water ends up going to? <laughs> so, the other thing is it's also for uh, helping with first aid. Somebody gets overheated and needs to sit in the shade, you pour a little bit over his head and have him sit there and sip the rest of it. Um, cool him down enough so that you don't get a heat injury. So it's important to have water available. Now, we need to talk about power cutoffs for stopping machinery in case of an accident and for ending uh, electrical shock instance. Okay, so um, this is for when you're on top of your centrifuge, you know, working on the decapper and you're standing on uh, a metal platform or something and, and somewhere, somehow, you get a short and somebody starts getting zapped. You need to have the ability to run to the fuse box or have a one hit button that shuts off all the electricity to the building. Um, that's just a great thing to have around. If not, you get to the box, fuse box and hit your main breaker and, and then you're fine. Um, you also need to have power cutoffs for uh, your centrifuge because unfortunately you have ding-dongs who wear long um, sleeves when they're messing around with the centrifuge and if it's going and his sleeve gets caught in there it'll rip his arm right off so you need to have the ability to um, hit the emergency stop button on the centrifuge um, so if you're wiring in your centrifuge and you're just starting out make sure you put in an emergency stop button on there okay um, other things that you need to have emergency stop buttons for or uh, um, machinery that uh, moves stuff so I, I don't know if you're having an auger or what you're doing but just make sure you have some sort of machinery that stops or a button that stops um, a lot of times um, you have automatic um, belts that take the frames up to the decapper and you can get caught on that and have it drag you up there and if you're not careful you'll end up um, amputating something important so it's good to have a power cut off for that as well um, Power cutoffs are just a necessary thing around uh, machinery that can can rip you limb from limb. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. All right. Now uh, we're going to be talking about back injury. Um, at, in beekeeping, back injury is a real deal. Um, it's one of the reasons why I've uh, traded out all of my um, boxes for from 
deep boxes to medium boxes. Um, and that's because, um, first of all, because uh, you buy one frame for everything, but also because of the back problem. If you are a hobby beekeeper or you are a sideliner, which is a, a beekeeper who does it on a semi-professional basis, uh, you are going to need to have the ability to minimize your back uh, strains and pains. Some people do that with a lift or uh, a cart. Some people do that with having workbenches beside the, the beehives that you're working on. Some people do it um, by um, having uh, a lift and crane device together. Um, you see that more on Warre hives, that they, they uh, lift up the hives quite regularly to add um, uh, ex extra new frames to the bottom so that they build down. Uh, it's one of the one of the tenets of Warre beekeeping. Um, but also when you're pulling off these deeps that we put on top for um, collecting honey, um, deeps can weigh up to 100 pounds. That's a lot of weight to be pulling off of a, a stack of five or six boxes. Uh, a lot of people, they use ladders in order to get up that high. They take the box off and then they just slide it along the ladder until they get down. That's rather dangerous because you're supposed to have three points of contact on a ladder at all time. So how are you going to carry a hundred pound box and not drop the frames and still maintain three points of contact? It's difficult. Um, also, uh, with the back, what you're going to have to look at uh, lifting and turning. Um, a lot of injuries happen with lift and turn. Um, so when you lift a box off of a beehive, you don't want to be turning. You want to move your feet instead of moving your upper body. Um, I've moved to all mediums, and even though mediums are smaller, uh, they are still quite heavy. They can be anywhere between 40 to 60 pounds, and that's a lot of weight to be repetitively moving. It's one of the reasons why um, bigger beekeepers usually get uh, a crane that sits on the back of your uh, five-ton uh, five truck, and it reaches out, and you can operate it right on the end of the arm, you reach out and you bring it down, you put the forks underneath your pallet and then you ratchet strap it or you turn it back so that it's leaning against the arm itself and then you lift it up and put it on the back of your flatbed of the five ton. So um, that's the way that um, people who do this all the time, all the lifting and moving and everything, that's the way that they do it. You as a hobby beekeeper aren't going to be doing it that way. That's a rather expensive way to go. I think some of those things cost like twenty, thirty thousand dollars just for the arm, maybe more. So you hobby beekeepers aren't going to be doing that. Sideliners probably aren't either. Uh, Sideliners will be moving their boxes a whole bunch in the period of time. So just just be aware that you're going to have to do something to mitigate your back strain. Other thing is. Um,
<laughs> I used to laugh at the people at work. Um, you know, those those boring menial jobs that people would go to that uh, they are, let's say, walking around like a security guard or they're um, scanning stuff across a, a, a belt and uh, packing stuff at a grocery store or whatever. You see them in the morning when they start out, they do their stretches. They, you know, stretch to the side, they stretch to the back, they stretch their legs. And I used to think it was so silly, but guess what you're going to be doing as a beekeeper? Before you go out and start harvesting honey and before you start go doing some of these things that are going to injure your back, you're going to want to stretch out your back. If you stretch out, it makes it so that you are not going to injure your back as badly if you do injure it and you'll be able to escape some injuring altogether. So uh, make sure you do your stretches and stuff before you go. Um, and if you strain your back or if you hurt your back, um, we need to talk a little bit about stuff that you need to um, do to do some first aid for yourself. You know, you're not going to be, if you are working for a beekeeper and you're the hired help, you're not going to be reporting to your um, <laughs> to your boss that you hurt your back that day. Um, because every single day that you work, you're going to be hurting your back. But the thing is, if you have a, a major injury, then of course you have to tell your employer. But if you have back, in, you know, if you have regular back injury, you know, you go home and you're like, oh, I can't pick this up. Oh, I don't want to do anything except sit down. Okay, so that's time that you need to think about um, doing a little bit of first aid so that it doesn't get any worse. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be recognizing that what you're feeling is, isn't necessarily damage. It is probably swelling. So the first thing that you're going to do is take some ibuprofen. You're going to take your maximum dose of ibuprofen that you can do. And for the next, from that time until you go to work, and maybe bring along some when you go to work the next morning, is ibuprofen. And you're just going to keep up on your ibuprofen. The other thing that you can do is right away after your back injury, you can uh, cool it down with some ice. Uh, what you don't want to do right away is jump into a hot bathtub because that will be bringing more blood and fluids to the area and if you're swelling that's usually not the best idea. So you want to cool it down, take your ibuprofen. Um, if you want to jump into a hot bath later on, at least put on um, your ice 15 minutes on, 15 minutes off, so you don't get uh, um, <laughs> any sort of uh, frostbite from it. But uh, you want to just keep it on and keep doing that for at least two or three hours afterwards. Then after that, you know, if you want to jump into the tub and and uh, soak your back pains away, that that's fine as well. Um, just remember that uh, you don't want to overdo the 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 hotness on the back because that brings blood flow opens up the vessels brings blood flow and you're just uh, increasing the amount of swelling that can possibly happen also the other thing you might want to consider is they do have back braces that go around your middle and uh, that supports your lower back um, most of your 
strains and pains will be in your lower back because you're um, probably not lifting correctly. Now, of course, you're going to go through <laughs> the stupid mechanics theory of uh, how to lift. You know, you go down and you squat down, you, you put the item when you squat down you put the item squarely between your two legs and then when you go to lift up you lift with your legs not your back um, these braces also help you they they more remind you that you're supposed to keep a straight back when you're lifting but they also help you a little bit with uh, any issues that you have lifting something big where you might uh, tear your stomach and end up with uh, <laughs> hernia so you know do be careful when you're lifting and remember not to lift and then twist and remember to do your stretches and exercises when you start getting going. Um, so that's more or less what we need to talk about today. Um, I think I would like to go into a little bit about um, beasting first aid as well. I know we've covered it before in some of the other things, but just in case you didn't listen to some of the other podcasts, um, this is one of the more important things that you can do when you're beekeeping. Um, you need to have um, at the ready, so whether that's in your pocket or whether that's in a first aid kit in your truck or um, in the building right next to where you're beekeeping, um, you need to have um, some Benadryl. And what Benadryl is, is Benadryl starts to stop, or it, it stops the uh, um, cascading effect um, that you get when you are uh, going into anaphylaxis. So it won't stop what has already happened but it will stop it from getting any further. So when you start getting wheels or rashes on your arm, when you start getting itchy on your chest and on your back, when you get that hot feeling underneath your eyes, um, and you, you get like a, a red rash underneath your eyes, um, if you start realizing you're starting to have a little bit of breathing problems, get that Benadryl in you really quick. Um, and most bee stings, Benadryl will help you. Now you can use Claritin or some of the other third, second and third generation, um, second and third generation uh, anti. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just not remembering this. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's late. Um, second and third generation um, anaphylaxis stopping <laughs> um, medicines um, yeah Oof. if you guys hear this that'll be amazing because I'm probably gonna edit this out but if you do hear it yeah I'm, I'm just not thinking everything through um, anyways your Benadryl and your second and third generation meds are going to um, do well for you Benadryl makes you sleepy just know that uh, some people more than others. Um, my son, literally, when he gets stung and takes a Benadryl, he'll curl up in the truck, and that's the end of the day for him. He just goes to sleep. So, and it's not because he's lazy. It's just that's just the way he he operates with Benadryl. But if you use some of the like Claritin or some of the other second and third generation um, uh, drugs, you can 
they're more for staying awake. So they handle the symptoms in a different way and they keep you awake. So that's, that's a good thing. The other thing to have is EpiPen. Now EpiPens are not for bee stings. <laughs> EpiPens are for runaway uh, anaphylactic re uh, reactions. So essentially the indicators that you would use um, uh, your EpiPens are when you are having trouble breathing. That's when you use your EpiPen. And just know that if you are a long distance away from any healthcare facilities, you might need two EpiPens. Um, and the reason is, is that the effects from the EpiPen wear off in about 15-20 minutes. So if you're going to end up being longer than that with a ride back to uh, uh, medical care, you might want to invest in two EpiPens or at least have um, the, the needle and the meds and know how to draw up the right amount and where to inject it. So, um, and what EpiPens do is it opens up your airway, makes it so that you can maintain an open airway for breathing, and EpiPen will also work to stop some of the anaphylactic reactions so as much of the swelling and as much of the itching it does stop some of that so anyways we're getting up where we need to be for terminating this uh, um, beekeeping lesson so I'd like to uh, encourage you to at the very bare minimum have Benadryl but it, it is really important to also have um, an EpiPen there so that you can take care of any um, one in a million bee stings that, that you just end up needing it. So thank you for listening today and I'm very sorry for my spaciness as far as uh, the drugs. I should know this. <laughs> I, was an, I was an EMT before so I should know this but I'm just not remembering right now. Anyways. Uh, wish you well and happy beekeeping.